Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rugby Abroad podcast for season two. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. And if you're re-tuning in, welcome back. I'm your host, Sam Katz, a professional rugby player, English, but have been known to do a few episodes in Spanish as well from time to time. Um, but besides the point, delighted to be here again with you. And before we kickstart season two, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all the listeners and viewers on YouTube who made season one such a great success. We had well over a thousand downloads for the first 10 episodes and almost 2,000 views as well on YouTube. So, so that really makes doing this worthwhile. And so I just wanted to say a massive thank you to you guys. Yeah, we had some really, really interesting conversations spanning across the rugby globe. And it was really, really eye-opening, some great feedback, some great response. And here I am again for season two. I'm actually on the lookout for a social media manager. If, um, if you know anyone who might fit the role, feel free to drop me a DM. Um, other than that, just wanted to say a big thanks as well to Matt Ryan, who made the, the music for the podcast. He's a singer-songwriter. You can find him on, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, if you want to check out his stuff. There'll be some really, really exciting news announced probably on a late, later episodes, just about collaborations, future future proje- projects too. If you want to get involved, please don't hesitate to contact me. You can just direct message me on, on any of the social media networks or, or however you like. Finally, and obviously, don't forget to subscribe and visit us for more details at rugbyabroad.com. Massive, massive welcome back to the Rugby Abroad podcast. Um, it's been a bit of a two-month two month break, kind of forced, getting my life sorted out, but I've got with me today uh, a kind of special guest to kick off season two of the Rugby Abroad podcast. We're, we're here for um, episode 11 with Luca Petrozzi, current, I'm, I hope I pronounced that right, I know it's Not obviously bit, Italian. Yeah, I've heard a lot worse, so it's fine. <laughs> And um, he's current scrum half of uh, Benetton Treviso Rugby, play, playing in the in the Pro 14, I believe it's still called, and um, yeah, and based in Treviso currently. Um, mate, thanks so much for coming on to kickstart us off for season two. Uh, firstly, obviously we we played a little bit together last year um, yeah. in San Donat, and I I've just been following your your journey a bit and just knowing a bit about how how everything kicked off for you and. Really, just want it for anyone watching that doesn't know, you're English and you're playing abroad in Italy. You've got Italian family, is that right? Yeah, grandparents were born in Italy and then came over, like obviously wartime, um, emigrated over to England and then we've just been settled there in Kent ever since. And and were they rugby people or did they... Nah. No. I think my granddad just switches from team to team like whoever he's watching on the TV one week is Arsenal one week is Chelsea uh, he doesn't know anything about rugby until we started playing then nice. obviously my dad took, dad took me to rugby um, took yeah. me to football first didn't like it even being a football player like enthusiast himself and then preferred rugby for his kids so we just stuck with that awesome and so you just enjoyed it straight away when you got into it yeah I, it was, used to be the touch didn't it not the, the tag pulling the Pulling the little belts, yeah. So there was a little bit of physicality about it. I preferred that to the to the football. But I think my dad preferred the sidelines 
in like the sidelines of the football, all the dads getting involved and shouting and that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how that one is as well. It was a bit of a similar story. I started with football and I moved over to rugby. Your choice or? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, my 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 dad was uh, doing yeah. like journeys to football matches and then rugby matches, mm. and at some point I had to decide between the two. And so yeah, it was kind of. But he was like one of them to stand over, not with the other parents. I'm sure you're yeah, at the football because he didn't like it either. Uh, don't like the atmosphere. Yeah, the atmosphere is a bit chaos, isn't it? But, Harsh, isn't it? Yeah, mate. So I'm just getting back into the the podcast flex mm. per se. And um, yeah, it's it's great to have you on. Okay. I wanted to ask if you had any idea that that you'd end up in Italy. Is it something that was from from a young age that you sort of sought out <coughs> professional rugby, or were you just going through? You, you obviously had a talent for it, but when did you realise that you wanted to go pro? And then when did you realise that you wanted to sort of move abroad? So obviously, aspirational through school, you want to play for academy, get a contract. And I was kind of like floating about the, uh, the Saracen stuff at 16 to 18 and didn't get a contract to the end of school. Had my uncle and um, family out here who knew a couple of Benetton players. So they got me into the under twenties, like sent the clips off, came over for a trial, did the under 20 season with them. Then at the end of the year, they made me the offer of doing like a permit deal. So you do half with a lower league club, Italian side and half with Benetton. Or, on the other hand, I could have gone to University Bath. Um, yeah. I'd already had my place at Bath, so I decided to go there because speaking to a couple of the Benetton boys, Australian lad, Jimmy and Rossini, he yeah. gave me strong advice to go to university first. He said, if you're good enough or if you push hard enough, the opportunity will arise again, but it's more important to get that plan B covered than plan A. Seemed like a wise guy at the time. Like, I'm happy that I took his advice then So and it because it's worked out, but... If it hadn't worked out and I'd gone to university and nothing had happened, then it would have been a bit of a fuck up. But yeah, <laughs> um, decided to go uni, did my uni stuff, didn't get a contract at the end of uni. Yeah. So then no, having opened these connections in Italy, kind of chanced my arm again, called up and um, yeah, played that Sunday night year, went from there. Mate, that's awesome. I mean, it's obviously a different route um, doing the university route. It's something I did as yeah. well, went, went yeah. up to Loughborough and studied there and played at the same time. I think I think it's that route isn't really a respected route, I guess. I don't know if you agree like um but but I think it's some it's a route that guys are doing more and more and they're getting to for the sure, top level sure. of the game. Yeah. Uh, even despite not not having been chosen at a younger age in the academy. Why why do you reckon that is? Obviously it's more respected or you're seen as a better player if you go straight from school to academy to a professional contract which you don't get overlooked yeah then there's just as good players who maybe have developed physically later on who didn't make it at school who then went to university or made the same decision as me and you if you look yeah. at in the prem Don Brandt tearing up um, yeah there's a couple other Quinns boys there's a couple that Cardiff met lad Wainwright I think in the world squad now just to name but a few obviously the talent's there I think if you played a uni team against like a senior academy side, and I think oh, it'd, it'd probably be a close game between a top side, top side. So I think clubs now are looking more into the university because they know there's yeah. there's good crop coming through, especially recently. Yeah. No, I guess there's there's two ways of mixing it that I'm seeing at the moment, and that's guys that are 
getting their professional contracts early and, and then are sort of doing part-time studying while they're, while yeah, they're playing. Yeah, yeah. And then guys that are actually going to university, having that experience away from home, mm. maybe even maturing a bit more as a result and, and yeah. then being able to, being able to uh, play rugby at a good level while, while being in that university environment. I think it's an interesting one to just look at the two side by side. But, but anyway, just going back to your journey, before you went to... Um, over to move over to Italy and, pl- and got this contract with Treviso. You were part of the sevens team, I think, with Italy. Did how did that come? Yeah, about? so that um, that first year that I did in Italy after moving from university, yeah. I think I think they're just kind of looking for players all the time. And I think the top play, the top teams, Ebra and Benetton, don't really like to lend their t- players to the seven circuit because it's yeah. not really well funded. It's not really seen as a potential for growth really that's what it seems yeah. like haven't been haven't played for a bit so they do look for the lower league teams and yeah just you go a couple camps it's a good experience you go away to Spain I went to France had like a nice tournament at Exeter a couple of years but it is sevens I'm happy to see the back of it mate playing against some of those boys playing, I think we're playing against the England team in Exeter Dan Norton Couple injuries, I found myself marking him. Don't think I touched the geezer all game, bro. <laughs> He's got a hat trick, skinning me. Scrum nice. half the wing, nah, it's terrible. But, but yeah, it was good to be experienced. Good experience. Despite that, yeah, exactly. So obviously, Italy's not like a well-known team on the circuit or anything. But I guess it did it get your name in the hat in terms of being in the Italy setup. I mean, getting to know players, coaches, and stuff before you moved over there officially. Did that help out? I honestly all? think it's quite separate. I don't think I don't think many boys have moved from like the sevens to the fifteens. I think yeah. the fifteens is a lot a lot better funded. Yeah. Sometimes with the sevens you could really feel like the lack of the lack of funding, whether it was in terms of where we stayed, how we got their kit, like yeah. the small things like that, which other teams you look and they've got they're all kitted out and they're going in the nice hotels. We would kind of stay in hostels sometimes. Yeah, so sure off build it was a little not stressful but it was a little unprofessional let's say but yeah. on field fight you've got to say the Italians give it heart like they do they do want to turn up for their country and it was good playing against those guys you guys you see on the HSBC series and stuff when you play those home tournaments in Europe and that was it was good awesome man awesome and you you obviously made the big move away from home after uni um yeah. Did you have family out here? Was it was that a tough move to make? Um, did you have mates out here already? How, how did that how did that go down? And what was that like, like a from a mental standpoint coming out? So that whole year bitch? when I played yeah. for the under twenties, I stayed with my auntie and her husband and their family the whole year. And obviously made a couple of friends um, who played for Benetton under twenties at the time. So coming back, didn't know anyone at um, Sandwina that first year, but obviously it's easy to integrate like in a, in this yeah. kind of environment, you've got boys of the same interest, same age and you're always with them four or five times a week. So it wasn't too difficult. And then moving to Benetton, new three or four boys, new couple of the coaches as well. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And in terms of living on my own, I'd done it at university for four years. So that transition, already having a bit of language and capability to live on my own was, it was okay. It was just a bit of a cultural difference. That's about it. 
Yeah, man, I guess I guess um, for you, Italy was kind of like the perfect choice written in the stars already, I guess, because, it was, you know, Yeah, it was okay. The family's there, and, and mm-hmm. I guess that makes the, the move all the more easier, um, which is great. Um, word in the air, a few weeks ago, uh, I saw your name down on the list for the Italy 15s camp. Like you said, mm-hmm. not many players go from playing sevens for Italy to then playing 15s, but... But this is this has been a massive, massive, massive um, year for you. I think in terms of, in terms of um, being at one level last year and, and pushing for that contract that you, that you were desperate for, and then getting getting it, um, and then pushing for a place in a starting place at Benetton, which you you obviously been starting quite a few games. I th- I'm just off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe you could tell us like how many games you've started and how that's been at Benetton and how that's resulted in you pushing for a place in the Italy squad which is which is unreal mate and the turnaround in like the, the last two years for you mm. must be must be you must be on cloud nine it's it's kind of went into it with the nothing to lose um, attitude yeah. so that first year I could always see it as a building block of like when we were at Sandone it was like a building block yeah just establish some foundations when you get to Benetton you just it's your whole livelihood is that you've got nothing to lose. You want to give everything. So you have an open mind, you go to training, you try your hardest, you do everything you can. And then you kind of let the, let it take its own course. I never expected to get a chance with Italy so soon off the back of like some decent performances last year. Um, obviously there was a couple injuries as well. I know to the couple of the scrum halves, they obviously, they like to get you in, get you a feel for it. And uh, yeah, not not expected, but a great great achievement, I guess. Like a lifetime. Oh yeah, look at that man! To, part, like, like, to be part of the the international training camp, that's like mm. that's dream status. But obviously, the next step is is when do you get that first cap? And I guess from what you're yeah. saying there, it's, there's no rush. Just sounds like you're just taking it each game as it comes, each opportunity as it comes, and making the most of them like that. Did you did you? Um, has there been a squad announcement as such? Or? Yeah, I think because of this Six Nations, because of COVID and the Nations Cup, is it Nations Cup or that Eight Nations tournament? I think they've yeah. taken a squad for they've taken a squad for those last two games, and then there's a small break, and then I think or they'll take the same players, or another squad will be announced. So I'm not really sure how it works. Um, another squad for that Eight Nations tournament. So uh, is there's there's possibility because there's possibility. I sp- I spoke to the coaches. Obviously, it's disappointing not to get selected for the camp for these last two games. They've given me stuff to work on. So obviously, you go away when you you do your extras. You do you try and emphasise as much as you can in training. There's a couple of Benetton coaches are with Italy. You want you want that good feedback from the coaches there into Italy. Yeah. And they're like well connected. So yeah, haven't got that feedback. And not having made that kind of just spurs you on to, to push on yeah. for the next opportunity, which there's no time limit on it, is there really? Yeah. Hopefully sooner sooner rather than later, hopefully, but yeah. Just patience, yeah. I guess. It's been a long long wait, isn't it, to get here. So what's <laughs> another how six months a year or whatever. Just Yeah, man, I guess it's good to have that continuity of having the the coaches that are seeing you training week in week out at Benetton some of them also being involved in Italy um, and knowing those guys and them knowing you I guess that's good and makes it easier to get feedback and stuff like that mm. um, 
What um, I wanted to mention was, we, I, I guess we were chatting a bit last year and, and something that I hope it's all right if I bring up was that yeah. at, some, at some points last year, our team, Southern I wasn't in a great place. Mm. Um, obviously, you, you, you'd had this opportunity, you were going for the, the Benetton contract and, and I think early on in last season, it, it was you weren't sure if that was coming in or not. And I remember talking to you and um, it wasn't the nicest place of places to be mentally. And I think at one point, maybe you even mentioned sort of binning, binning the professional rugby career, maybe moving back home um, bef- before whatever happened with, with Benetton mm. came about. How did, how did that massive 180 happen? Was, that, was it something... Were you just fed up with rugby? Is it like you say? It's been a it's been a long journey. It's been a long wait for you. How how come the the one eighty? And now obviously you seem more more uh, determined than ever to to yeah. get right to the top now. Um, but what was that? What was that point last last? As year? you know, Sandona is a pretty tough environment to stay positive. Like the conditions, facilities, that kind of stuff. You're not going in into that professional environment where you think you're growing, you think you're learning and it's just kind of a goes really stagnant and you feel stagnant. You feel like you're not improving. So to have no light at the end of the tunnel and then to have to be training in that kind of environment and not, not getting that growth, you lose enjoyment for it. And obviously you play to enjoy. I think that's the main, why everyone plays, you play to enjoy it. So when that enjoyment really gets sucked out of it, you kind of question like why why do you do it i was going to i was going to can it um and then obviously opportunities arrive injuries happen you you take those and that was basically it it was almost fortune, it was good fortune basically uh, a lot of players have probably had that in the past right place right time kind of thing and yeah it just works itself out it was a tough time especially those 6 months and i was obviously at the sun of the season before with no kind of permit deal so that was a real stay strong and hopefully see see the horizon kind of kind of moment yeah that's awesome what an awesome turnaround and um yeah i'm so so pleased for you that everything's going great in treviso just for for anyone that doesn't know um treviso playing in the the pro 14 competition with with teams from from wales ireland uh scotland and obviously now a couple from south africa um how's that have you have you done much traveling with the team and if so like how how does your training week differ from like when you've been playing as a permit player or a loan player um the the week yeah obviously it's nice to travel especially last year when you could go go the day before have a walk around town kind of see new places obviously some places are more favorite, like more you prefer to go to some place like the boys went to South Africa for a two week tour rather than maybe no offense, but going down to Swansea, <laughs> a bit of a difference, Cape Town or I'm not sure where the South African teams are, but there or some of the other places. But yeah, it's nice. Usual week, really Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the recovery day. Thursday, if the game's on Saturday, Thursday train, Friday team run, and then you, you go after the team run, play on the Saturday sleep there and then come home on a Sunday and then yeah just a monitored session again. on the Monday yeah and you start again and Treviso is 
one of them clubs that seems to be going from strength to strength. Like every year they seem to be doing better, um, better and better, becoming a bit of a bit of a household name in the in the Pro 14. Why do you reckon that is? How what's happened? What's changed in the last few years there? A lot can be accredited to the coaching staff. I think before the professionality of the club, I did a little bit with the first team when I was under 20s. Yeah. And the professionality and the way they approach the games. Like some of the times the boys would be going on the same day in a bus, making two, three changes, a flight, them playing kind of thing. Boys would be tired. Yeah. But now I think there's a lot more investment. The coaches have obviously instilled a more professional environment, work great, all the things that can be attributed to a top club. And they've kept the same kind of group together. The last like three, four years, there's not been many changes within the club so obviously relationships improve and um yeah that's great I think yeah it's so key the not having too many changes I've, I've definitely been in some clubs where you come in one year and you're one of like 20 20 odd new players and mm. you end up taking half a season to get to get some continuity to get some sort of the relationships sorted out mm. in the team so that you can then produce the performances on the pitch. I guess if you've got that already, because yeah. the guys already know each other for, for a year or two or even three, you're, you're, you've got a massive head start. Um, yeah. With regards to, to that, I've obviously, you know, I've just moved to, to a new club down mm. not too mm. far from you, about a couple of hours in, yeah. in Piacenza. Uh, city near Milan, uh, the Piacenza mm. Lions, and we've just had our, our first game, uh, cup game, cancelled due to COVID. Um, our yeah, a bit of a nightmare because we've we've yeah, had a, a sort of six to eight week preseason now. Boys raring to go, and and the other team had uh, five positive test results, so absolute chaos. But um, yeah, I wanted to ask you on that. Like, how's it? You're in a much more professional environment than what I'm playing in right now. Um, and we're already having problems in this, in this seemingly semi-professional environment. How how's things changed yeah. with regards to COVID? Is it just a case of getting on with it? Is it is it an annoyance? Like what what's changed with regards to everything there? I think early on, when the situation was a bit more delicate in Italy, especially um, before our last two games of the nineteen twenty season, I know there was a swab test every week or maybe a couple of times a week. Yeah, every week at minimum, they're really precautious telling the boys, right, no bars, like kind of telling the boys don't go out, not stay inside, so to speak, but yeah, stay inside because we, if there's one test positive, then we can't play these games. But now it's slightly more relaxed because we know other teams are also doing those um, tests before we play, before ever, the whole squad before we play on the weekend has to do a test any positives, which there haven't actually been any positive um, results, they get isolated. The rest of the team just trains. Um, but like I said, there's actually been no positive results. Yeah, recently. that's great. So, yeah, I guess so. So we're obviously over the the toughest part, which was when, when all the positives were coming back yeah. and stuff. But yeah, it seems to be kicking off again. Hopefully, hopefully we can just like nip it in the bud ASAP. Mm, exactly. Um, it's nice to see that Italy has like crowds and stuff and fans already going to matches. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we played a friendly a couple of weeks ago and a, a good few hundred were down. So for here, that's pretty good considering yeah. all, the, all the fear and everything with, 
with what's been going on. So I did. I, you guys, I, th- I think I saw a match. Who did you play against recently? That where you had quite a big crowd turnout. It, was, it looked like quite a good atmosphere. Um, it was Leinster at home last weekend. Yeah, I think it was seven hundred or so, which is not too bad. Yeah, so I, I saw Leinster like tweet, tweeting out about like, oh, it's great to play in front of fans again, and mm. obviously Italy's got things um, slightly more under control than back home because I know. Um, yeah. Back in England, they're like saying that there'll be back fans and then changing their minds and, and cancelling. At the same time, you've got like, not to get political, but I just saw like um, theatres are like packed full of people and stuff. And, and But you can't you can't sit outside um, and watch the rugby or the football, even if you, you're um, yeah. even if you're taking account the, the social distancing and stuff, which yeah. it just seems a massive shame for the sport. I mean, obviously... N- not just your top professional clubs that are suffering, but but your mm-hmm. less professional clubs that like are, are really living and surviving off of off of yeah. like they rely on the crowd, don't they? Exactly, and e- even Please. to just pay their guys their whatever their, mm. their twenty thirty quid match match day fee, you know, from from like national two national three clubs. Yeah. I imagine that that they are suffering more than ever, and I guess yeah, big time. The, the sooner they get they get something sorted, or the sooner they can they can take maybe take a leaf out of Italy's book and. And um, look at bringing bringing fans back. Um, the, the better. Doesn't the clubs. championship the championship starts in January? It's purely yeah, think, on the on the basis that they think that's when fans will be allowed to be reintroduced into the stadiums, and that's where the majority of the income comes from. So they didn't want to rush into it, have no fans, and be playing kind of with no financial benefit. Yeah, exactly. It's tough for the boys, isn't it? So tough as well, and. I, Obviously, you you've then gone from playing in front of however many thousands that normally come to to watch like a Treviso Zebra derby to playing in an empty stadium. Like, oh, how's strange. that difference? Yeah, is that strange? How yeah. how does that how does that know, affect the mental side of your game? I know some Premiership clubs they put the the sound on of the fans, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. When you're watching on TV, that. you can kind of there's no fans, but you can kind of hear. Do you mean the Premier League football? Well, the Premier it, League rugby, Premiership Rugby, I, I'm Premiership not sure. Rug, um, I think Premiership Rugby have put some yeah. some fan sounds in the background. And maybe if you're a fan, that kind of gets you up a little bit. I thought you might be talking about the Premiership football just because it was quite funny because obviously some fans are going off at other fans that you, you could, one club has no fans and stuff and then they, they're, <laughs> they're playing audio out in the stadium just to make Man City, not, not mentioning any names. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was bizarre playing running out um, we played that zebra away game and it was just silent yeah. you'd be there and you'd be setting up for a kick usually you don't know look or just have that moment of clarity and then you look and there's just fans like shouting at you or you hear the roar but now you just fire <laughs> you just hear everything on the pitch you can hear their calls really early so you know you know when they're going out the back of the yeah the, like the carrying pod or anything identify their calls real early it's kind of easier yeah <laughs> you can hear yeah you hear their calls and, and um, do you find do you find, there's, do you find there's less pressure or more pressure on like your you individually because obviously like in in the training environment you're not really playing in front of any 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 fans there might be a few few people on the side like just watching and you know you're being filmed and stuff but but obviously in, on a match day it, it's a different story playing in front of thousands and then but when you're not I can imagine there's also a certain pressure there so is it is it more pressure or is it less or how do you find that you do try and block out the block out the crowd 
when you're playing. Yeah. There's been certain occasions where I've just played and, you know, the game. sometimes the game goes by as a blur. You don't really notice. But some, some fans, I think it was Cardiff, Cardiff away last year, they were proper getting into the players. Like you could, <laughs> on the box kicks and stuff, you could, they were yeah. proper. I remember I was just running to a breakdown wide and all the card, they were just shouting, standing <laughs> up for a box kick, all shouting at me, calling me shit. And that's when you, know, you do hear that, when it's directed at you, you do hear the crowd. Sounds like, like France, yeah. mate. <laughs> they, 16th man. Ruthless, ruthless, yeah. Yeah. But, um, if you're in your game, you do, you do, I do, I don't know, I can't speak for other people. I try and block out and just focus on myself and that just kind of shuts out all the noise. But sometimes it, it finds its way in. Yeah, nice. Uh, I wanted to mention one of our mutual friends who has been on kind of a similar path to you, I, I think. It, you played with him at uni, I think, at Bath. Zach Henry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he sort of went on that similar route to you mm. and didn't really hit the academy contract that he was looking for and stuff until after uni he made the move abroad and then mm. stayed in France I think for a, for a good few years how long were you playing with him for a few years there yeah I think in my second and final year uh, we played yeah. in the same team yeah so that's that must be quite cool seeing like two guys from the same team nine and ten predominantly that have kind of done that university route which isn't renowned for making mm. top top professional players and you got one now tearing up in pro 14 with Treviso pushing the Italy squad and the other one is is uh, has just signed yeah. from the Pro D2 in France to Leicester Tigers in the English Prem that's that must be awesome uh, do, do you guys keep in touch yeah. or not so much yeah no we're we're pretty close we've seen each other a few times when we've um, we met up in London yeah yeah. And it was funny, we both messaged each other when his announcement came out and I told him that I was staying on with Benetton. Yeah. And we had a good laugh because we were just laughing about the uni days. Yeah. Just think, unprofessional training, you're going out during the week and then you find yourself in like a professional setup. It's is quite funny, but he's well-deserved. He was a good player at, at university and obviously I've seen his highlights and I've watched a few Pro D2 games when he was playing out last year and fucking... Yeah. It's playing well, so like I said, there's hidden gems in the university circuit, and they just yeah. need that opportunity. Right, he's one of one of one of many, isn't he? I'm sure there's others that are out there that can play or will in the future play. But it's good to see him doing well. It's like a good mate, isn't it? I guess there's a bit of belief in yourself there as well. The the way that you both like pushed for moves abroad, and then have sort of have found yourselves in in that environment away from home, whereas it, I've said it before and I think it does say something about the the development path back home there's something not quite not quite right there if you've got guys really finding themselves and being able to develop their rugby abroad better than they better than they've been able to at home but but you know it is what it is um I might have to get Zach on the podcast then I, I know he's a yeah, busy get, man like yourself but you've you managed to sp- spare me 40 minutes. So. No, mate, it's absolutely pissing it down outside. I've got nothing to do all afternoon. <laughs> so <laughs> happy to happy Bloody to hell. Any excuse, eh? Um, I wanted to ask you, mate, you, you're obviously pushing this Italy squad and I'm sure that's the next objective. Um, you mentioned before that your grandparents came over from Italy in wartime. Do you, that call-up, does it give you an extra bit of pride when you, when you go and play... I'm sure they gave you a shitload of stash 
and that is and the Italian stash is phenomenal. But does it does it give you an extra bit of pride knowing that obviously however many years ago your grandparents came over from Italy and stuff, and the family's there and obviously you're you got it in the blood. So mm. how's how's that feeling? No, the roots the roots feel Italian. Um, like I've got still got a lot of family here. And I think they're more proud of me than maybe my English side because yeah. obviously they're through and through Italian. So when I go to my games, my uncle's always there, always supporting. He brings some of his mates along. I think that that connection to Italy is pretty strong as well as, obviously I've got the English side, but my family, I think, still feels a little bit more Italian. They like to consider themselves Italian. So, yeah, I think everyone's pretty happy um, with, with how it's going at the minute. Awesome, man. And, and what's next on, on the radar? I know we mentioned like playing for Italy, but like in the, in the near, nearer future, what are you looking... To be honest, how, what future dictates? I'm actually, I haven't got a clue, to be honest. <laughs> I've, not, I've not got a clue. I'm just really enjoying my time in this environment. And anything that comes along is a benefit, really. Obviously, like we said, Italy's the next goal. I would like, love to get some um, caps this year. Yeah, if that's possible, that'd be great. I don't um, just keep playing, get good game time. That's probably the main thing I'm focusing on this year is to try and play as much as possible. Playing in this kind of environment, you see the development and you see little things that you hadn't noticed about your game before and little things that, not in terms of skill, in terms of off the ball management and in terms of yeah. the game management, that kind of things. They're the small things details that I'm trying to improve on now um, and playing with some of the boys here now there's just two scrum halves well there's at the minute this week there's been two of us um, an older more experienced guy Duvenacher just watching him in training and some of his communication some of his just it's just um, impressive details, to, yeah just small details like even a couple of things today Pick, picked it up straight down straight to the notebook get those down yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's growing. No, it's growing. key, mate. Like, like you say, it's 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 funny. It's it's been obviously a one eighty from from last year, where you're in an environment where where you're feeling you're not moving forward and you're not mm. learning. To then being in this, managing to get yourself where you are right now in this environment and thriving in it. And you sounds to me like you 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 feel like you're growing like pretty much every training session. So strength to strength, mate. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you for for featuring Luca on the. Mate. Thank you Episode so much. Episode 11. Man. The Rugby Abroad podcast is getting massive. Obviously, I've changed the headphones since the last season. That was due to the sponsors. Yeah, they're coming in, bro. They're sponsors, coming in. Mate. They want it. They want a piece. No, no, no. No, um, no but massive thanks for coming on. Yeah. And um, for anyone listening, don't forget to subscribe and, and share and obviously follow Luca on Instagram. Um, <laughs> some free promo I'll take it <laughs> nice mate I really appreciate your time right. and all the best right. and with the season thank you very much mate you too and uh, cheers bro I'll try and come down to a few of the games if I can see a little Piacenza Padova game likewise likewise get all the old boys under one roof I'll be good yeah you know you know cheers man okay. and we'll right, catch thank up you soon. have a good one thanks cheers. cheers you can subscribe to the podcast at rugbyabroad.com Thanks for listening in and I hope you join me for the journey.